Today's guest is a self-leadership coach, speaker, and author with deep knowledge in the science of building courageous and emotional intelligent mindsets. He spends most of his time developing authentically courageous leadership through keynotes, workshops, and individual coaching. He's the author of Swipe Right on Your Best Self, Simple Steps to a Bolder Life with Fewer Regrets. Welcome to the show, Eric. How are you doing? <laughs> Toby, good morning from Sydney, Australia, Toby. I'm doing very, very well. Thank, thank you so, so much for, for joining me today on this episode of Mirror Talk Podcast. I, I really appreciate you um, making time, you know, despite the time differences, you know, to sit with me today virtually <laughs> to talk about everything I'm going to learn from you today. So I'll first love us to... Um, you know, talk about you a little bit. Like, I would love to learn more about your life journey so far. You know, being mm. be, being born in England till moving to Australia. How did it begin? Beside the seaside, beside the sea. Yes, <laughs> I, I. You've done your research, Toby. Very good. Yeah, I grew up by the seaside uh, in England, uh, in the, the bottom right-hand corner, where, where on a good day you can see France. On a good day, we could see the French coast. So wow. I grew up by the seaside there in a place, a town called Ramsgate. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was a very happy childhood. Sadly, my father did pass away when I was five. But, hmm. and, but, but, you know, as a child, you, you know, kids are very resilient and they, they, they bounce back. But I grew up watching a very courageous mother hmm. taking care of the family, suddenly becoming the breadwinner starting a business, becoming an entrepreneur mm. and uh, working very, very hard. So I, th I think I inherited a, uh, a, a sort of resolute work ethic from my mother. Oh. And uh, I, I always had an interest in human performance, just an interest in when are we at our best? And I had a, a long career actually as an IT consultant working in the Middle East, uh, working in uh, in Munich, in Germany, mm. working in Scotland, in Edinburgh, and in Australia. Mm. And in all of these environments, Toby, I don't know if you've spent any time working with computer people, but the work environment is always, it's, it's like an emergency. It's a continual emergency yeah. because you're yeah. running these big computer systems and large organizations. Uh, for example, like Qantas, the airline, they depend on the computers underneath to be able to do everything. So when the Qantas ticket booking system stops working, I can tell you there's a lot of phones start ringing in the office where we're taking care of that system. So there's a lot of pressure, a lot of challenge, and I was intrigued. It didn't matter where I was in the world, whether it was the Middle East, Germany, Scotland, Australia, or the US, didn't matter where I was, there were leaders when the pressure was on, when the heat was really on, when the phones were ringing, when people are shouting, there were some people who could manage their minds very well. They could get the best out of themselves, stay calm, think effectively, and most importantly, get the best out of others. Really impressive people in, in all cultures. But there were people in different cultures who were equally as intelligent, equally as experienced, as smart, who knew just as much who, when the pressure was on, would lose it. 
to some degree. They'd panic a little bit. They'd, uh, they couldn't think as effectively. It took them longer to solve problems. And they would infect their teams with their worry as well. So it was yeah. contagious. Worry was contagious. Yeah. And I wanted to know what made the difference. Hang on, what's going on here? It's not culture. It's not intelligence. What is it? I took a big step back and I've immersed myself in the science of human performance. So I've got two master's degrees now in human behavioral science. And there's a rich body of knowledge, which I've had the pleasure of soaking in, Toby. It's like a big hot bath. I've been soaking in this knowledge yeah. of how do we help ourselves and help the people we work with and live with to be their best, even when life is challenging. Yes. And I've been doing that for the last 12 years now. So I've uh, left IT and I've been moving between organizations, sharing what I know and helping people to develop their own personal ability to meet life's challenges more effectively, to get the best out of themselves and the best out of the people they live, love and lead. What causes our behavior to change and how is our behavior connected to courage? Uh, well, it's my belief that courage, our ability to be courageous, will actually determine the quality of our lives. It's as important as that. Because it's really uh, the fears that we hold that will determine the boundaries of our lives, how far we are willing to go. What, what is the edge of our comfort zone. So if we're going to step over the comfort zone and grow, learn new things, form new partnerships, start new businesses, it's gonna require courage. There, is, there are no guarantees on the other side of the comfort zone. There are no promises that everything's gonna be all right. No, no, just ask for this raise, you'll always get it. Ask that person out for a date. They'll always say yes. Mm -hmm. Apply for that job, try a new business, learn a new skill. There are no guarantees. So our ability to develop as people really depends upon our willingness to take the behaviors that move us into this zone of discomfort. Mm -hmm. And that requires courage. Courage isn't having no fears at all, being supremely confident, just knowing that everything's going to be all right. That's not courage. That's, I don't know, blind optimism. That might be blind optimism. Yeah. <laughs> but if willing, when we're willing to, to do what matters with the experience of some uncertainty, some doubt, some, some anxiety, that's courage taking action with courage. And it turns out that courage isn't some stuff that you've got inside you. It's not like a glowing orb that you're either born with or you don't have. It's a, actually a set of skills, a set of skills that we can all develop. It doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum between fearful and bold. Every single one of us can develop our ability to move a little bit further towards the bold end of the spectrum. Wow. It's skills, yeah. Dear friend, you can grow your personal and business brand by creating a strong network through podcasting. Create real human connections, 
have the ability to share your story and interesting point of view. To get started, you can make use of the special offer for friends of this podcast, which is on kitcaster.com slash mirror. K-I-T-C-A-S-T-E-R dot C-O-M slash M-I-R-R-O-R. The link and further instruction or details will be found in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you listen to this on. Thank you. Yes. And talking about, you know, um, developing skills, you are committed to helping people develop self-leadership skills to meet their most challenging, uh, most to meet their most important challenges more effectively. Like you yes. Have, what are some of these um, self-leadership skills that we could develop? And how can we and how can we meet these challenges of life that we um, have to attack? Mm. So some of these skills are the skills that enable us to choose to be courageous at all. So the first thing I'd say is that it's natural for the human mind to imagine the worst. It's just how we've been developed. It's how we've 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 evolved. That the mind loves safety. It just adores safety and it's very good at dreaming up how things might go very very badly wrong if we take action so the first skill that we need to to develop is self-awareness it's recognizing what are the stories we're telling ourselves what are the things that we are feeling being able to name them being able to label them and being able to describe more accurately what is it I'm saying myself, what is my self-talk? We all have a a tendency to either be in two places. We're either in our heads, in this kind of fantasy land, we're imagining the future or remembering the past, or or we're here in the real world, actually seeing each other, seeing real things. Mm. The mind loves to slip into daydreaming, to slip into the daydreaming. So the very first skill really is developing the ability to intentionally come out of our heads, sort of wake up really, even though we are awake, to wake up and to notice, yeah, what what, what was I telling myself there? What was I saying? Hmm. And then to choose what you're going to do. But it all starts with self-awareness, self-awareness and being able to decide where you place your attention. Mm-hmm. It's normal in this stressful world where we're distracted, we're rushed, we're tired, we're hungry, we're worried. When we're like that, we all of us go into our heads. We become self-occupied and we we just we just daydream. We're in our heads. Mm-hmm. It's the skill to actually shift your attention out of this virtual world, this pretend world, mm-hmm. and back into the real world because when you do that you're in a much better position to choose when we're in our heads just daydreaming we we don't really choose we're kind of swept along mm. by our emotions and by our thoughts mm. it's not really choosing it's more a kind of autopilot mm. it's it's more like being a zombie there've been a lot of zombie films recently where they they seem to be walking and choosing yeah. but they're not really that there's not really very much decision-making going on. There's, they're kind of sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. We all, 
and they estimate it's about 50% of our waking lives. We actually, we spend about 50% of it, not in our head, not uh, in the real world, but thinking, just daydreaming, kind of sleepwalking. So if we're going to be courageous, we need to get out of our heads, not a hundred percent of the time, but at times get out of our heads and kind of wake up. Oh, okay. Right. No, no. What's real? What's real? And it's from that position that we can choose. So the first skill is self-awareness coupled with getting out of our heads and separating ourselves from our thoughts and our thinking. They talk about trains of thought, Toby, Mm. trains of thought. And all of us at times are on trains of thought. And when we're on it or in a train of thought, really the train decides where we go. We don't really, we're not at the front. I don't think they have these at the front of, but you know what I mean? We're not really, (laughs) we're not really steering the train. We're We're a passenger. We're a passenger to our thinking. And it's natural for us to imagine better futures and then part of the mind to say, oh, yeah, but but what if this happens? But what if they don't like it? What if we fail? What if it's embarrassing? What if, what if, what if? Mm. And while we're in the train of thought, we will be taken wherever the train decides to take us. We're all vulnerable to that. Mm. So there's a skill, a psychological skill in noticing our thinking and stepping off the train in a sense, in a sense of stepping out of the train of thought onto the platform mm-hmm. of the present and getting better at noticing what's on the train. Ah, oh, there's the train. And I'm telling myself it's not going to work, uh, that no one will like it, uh, that I don't have the skills, that I'm not experienced enough or, or, or whatever the, the mind is dreaming up. Yeah. And it's from that platform that you can actually say, yeah, is that, I wonder to what extent that's true. I wonder. While you're in the train, you, you, you're incapable of any kind of critical thinking. You're just buying, believing it. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, what if, what if they don't like it? Oh, yeah. What if it is embarrassing? So it's a skill that we can practice actually noticing our thoughts. And there's training exercises we can do to get better at noticing our thoughts separating from them and coming to the present, the real world, and choosing, deciding, truly choosing, not just being swept along by our thinking, but truly choosing. So I help people to manage their minds, to direct the attention Mm -hmm. and to hold their attention, to hold their attention with intention. It's it's a skill and everyone can get better at it. Well, I, I just have a question right now. Like you, you made a description of like a train, a moving train, which we have no control over. What about if I consciously want to get off the train, but the train doesn't seem to stop? I want to get off the train to look at my the, the, the doubts and the issues and the fear from, from the platform, but the train does not stop and I, there's no way I can get off the train. What, what should I do? <laughs> well, we can only take this train metaphor so far. But what, I'm, <laughs> what, I'd like to, what I'd like to say, first of all, about the train of thought is that it never stops. Mm. It never stops. So your mind is going to, and my mind too, is going to continue to generate thoughts regardless. It's just what minds do. They just keep you cannot stop your mind. It's impossible to stop your mind from thinking. It just keeps generating stuff. 
But what we can discover is that it's possible for us to take action, to do things, even when our mind is saying, don't do it, don't do it. We can choose. So you and I can have the thought now that I cannot lift my hand. You could think it. I cannot. It's impossible to lift my hand. Mm. And you can think that. Yeah, I can't lift my hand. Impossible to lift my hand. And I can still lift my hand. Thoughts do not control behavior. They influence it, but they do not control it. All of us can step out of the train of thought even while it's still moving. You mm. don't need to stop it. Mm. And there are exercises you can do to, uh, and it won't hurt, not like a real train. <laughs> it be a terrible idea to step off a moving train. But yeah. when it's your train of thoughts, it's, it's a soft landing. It's a very soft landing. Yeah, I did like some exercises you could teach us on this um, in this episode or the, or the podcast, or um, do we have to like connect with you or oh, some courses to no, learn? That? No, no, because you can you can you can come back to the present moment. Mm. You can step off the train by getting grounded, by actually getting grounded. Mm. So we all begin when we're in our train in our heads. We're actually sort of in our heads. So the first thing you want to do, if you'd like to step off the train as it were is to come back into your body just come back out get out of your head and you can do this by putting your hands together you could put your fingers together and just push your fingertips together and notice the sensation of touch on your fingertips can you yes. feel it yes can you feel it yeah direct your attention to that hold the chair you're sitting on feel the chair feel just allow yourself to kind of squeeze it mm. and feel your body in the chair mm. so your attention is now in your body you could notice your breathing but we want to direct our attention to our physical body not yeah. this fantasy virtual reality but we bring our attention to what's real mm. so you start there and then you can direct your attention to the place that you're in you might notice three things that are that you can see what are three things that you can see right now, Toby, in your real world? In my real world, I can see my 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 laptop. <laughs> laptop? I can see my microphone. And microphone? I can see you actually from laptop board. Yes, I can. and you can. You can. Yeah, that's an image of me. You're yes. great. So what we do is that we, we direct ourselves to three things that we can see. Mm -hmm. We might notice three things that we can hear in the real world. Mm. And maybe three things that we can touch. Mm. So this exercise gets us out of our head and just brings us into the present moment. Now, your head will still continue to say, oh, yes, but what if this, what if that? Mm. But you are now uh, in the present moment. You're in the real world. Mm. And from here, you are in a much better position to choose what you're going to do next, to truly choose but you can only do that, you can only choose if you've decided in advance what's important to you, mm. what matters to you. Yeah. So we also want to spend a big chunk of time deciding in our lives, what do we choose to care about? Mm. Because there's a lot of messaging from our communities and from our cultures and from advertising that's telling, telling us all, here's what we want you to care about. 
We want you to care about having the latest phone. It's really important that you don't leave the house without <laughs> the most. <laughs> you've got to have the most modern phone and also you've got to look a certain way and you've got to behave a certain way and if you're a male of a certain age then you ought to have this sort of a job and living this way and if you're a woman of a certain age well you really ought to be living this way so our cultures and our societies have got a lot of ideas about how they would like us to conform how they would like us to behave and look a lot of them very good ideas that we should take care of one another and be law-abiding. You know, it's, it's a good idea. But there are other ones, other ideas from society, which they're, they're not good fits for all of us. So some people really want to be creative. They're naturally creative. They shouldn't be lawyers and doctors. It's not a good fit. But perhaps parents might be saying, oh, no, we, we really want you to be a a doctor or a lawyer. All of us, if we're going to work out for ourselves what matters to us mm. personally mm. and then risk incurring the disapproval of others, maybe to dress differently, to speak differently, to show up as yourself in this life, mm -hmm. to go for a life that's meaningful to you. It might also be a meaningful life for your family and your community. They might also give you the thumbs up, yes. but not always, mm -hmm. not always. It takes courage to be yourself. True. It takes courage. So working out what's important it is really important to you mm -hmm. is a really important exercise, working out our values, uh, just how do we want to show up in this one life that we've got? What kind of people do we want to be? Yes, yes. There's a, there's a book written recently called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying Toby. Hmm. A palliative care nurse called Bronnie Ware yeah. was looking after people in their last few days or weeks, hundreds of people, hmm. and she was hearing the same regrets the same top regrets. And the number one regret that she heard above all else when people were approaching the end of their life was this. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. This message from the dying is a gift to the living. They're saying, choose what would a life that's true to yourself look like? What sort of ambitions would make your life meaningful? Hmm. What kind of, maybe you'd like to have a family, but maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you're someone who'd prefer not to uh, have children. Uh, maybe you'd like to be creative or you'd like to be a gardener or you'd like to grow carrots or you'd like to paint or you'd like to develop a new vaccine. Mm. I, don't, I don't know what, but choose for yourself because otherwise others will choose for you. Yeah. And we, we all risk getting to the end of this journey mm. and potentially sharing the number one regret when there's no time left. Oh, wait, there's no time left. You know, I, I wish I'd asked that person out. I, I wish I'd gone for that job. I, mm. Yeah, but my, my my friends said said I shouldn't do it. Mm. You know, I I wish 
I had started my that business, but my family said I, I shouldn't take the risk. Hmm. So we want to absorb this message from the dying, I'd suggest, yes. and decide, okay, okay, when I get to the end, what do I want to be able to say was true? Mm. Yes, mm. I went for that. I may not have succeeded, yeah. but you know what? I'm really glad that I tried uh, to become a poet. You know, I, I, I gave it my best shot. I'm so glad I, I, in, I dove into that passion. I immersed myself in trying to learn all I could about poetry and speaking. And maybe, because you will make some progress. Yes, yes. I went for it. Mm. I went for it. Mm. And it's not just poetry, of course. It's relationships. It's businesses. It's how do we want to treat each other. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the good news is these are skills. We can get better at knowing what's personally important. I mm-hmm. And it's not the job of five minutes. We don't do it in five minutes. It takes time yeah. to separate in our minds what's important to us mm-hmm. from what's important to others. Yes. So we need to, yeah, it's a piece of work. What's important to you, Toby? Tell me what's what matters to you. To live a, a purposeful life is very important to me. It's very, it matters to me a lot to, to live a happy, purposeful and fulfilling life and also peaceful life actually yeah. right and then my next question if we were if we were working together is <laughs> yes. wonderful. i'd say wonderful you'd like to be happy purposeful and meaningful fantastic and what sort of activities toby do you find meaningful tell me about some of the things just a few of the things which you've done in your life which have been personally meaningful yes so for example this right now is for me very meaningful like hosting a podcast having soulful conversation or meaningful conversations with experts and people like you um, is very meaningful to me. And also, right from the onset, like when I was young, being, um, you know, acting in, in the theater, in the drama, in church, for example, like being very creative, like writing scripts, um, like script plays and acting myself as an actor on the stage is very meaningful to me because it passes across messages to people and it impacts their life, hopefully, in one way or the other. That's very oh, writing scripts, writing scripts, yeah. lovely. Is that something you have much of an opportunity to do today? Um, now, um, less than before, actually, because of you okay. know, a lot of work. But I still, in my free time, I still write, like, um, working on new books, for example, like novels, stories for myself in my free time, and also, yeah, just yeah, still writing scripts, play, um, yeah, script plays for um for the church that I attend, for example, when when there's an event for it or an opportunity for that. Yeah. Wonderful. So that is a meaningful activity. And so if we were working together, we would be talking about, we'd be looking at trying to schedule that into your life if you wanted to, To, because there are some things which all of us have neglected a little bit Mm -hmm. and we need to dial up. And there are other activities in our life, which perhaps we've given too much priority to, I can confess to a little bit too much time on Netflix, for example. <laughs> but we're not recording this, right? <laughs> but and, and, and there are some things that you know I could do with dialing down, and I'm working mm. on it. <laughs> dialing down my uh, some things which are, are less meaningful. So we life is about adjusting as we go through it, dialing some things up and dialing some things down, yes. and then we will discover. Uh, some inner resistance. Oh, but I can't do that because we find the resistance. Mm. And I work with people to help them to develop their courage Mm. 
so that they can choose to, to do more often what has been uh, what has been generating fear and holding them back. So I help people to live more courageously in their personal relationships and their professional lives too. Yeah. So talking about being, you know, courageous and um, ending one's life with few regrets, like being yes. on the dying bed and saying, yes, I've done it all. I did everything well, I really wish to do. <laughs> I, I you're very to... ambitious, Tony. You've done it all. <laughs> I tried it all and um, did everything I wanted to do. <laughs> Well, well, here's the deal. And this is one of the problems that we have. So I, I reckon there are three human predicaments that hold us back from living courageously. And one of them is the fact that because we are, I call this the biggest elephant in the room, Toby. Okay. The thing that we will not talk about, the thing we really like to ignore, but it's really, it's in there, it's in front of us. And it's this, we're all going to die. Yeah. We are only here for a number of years. And that's it. Now, this this fact, and it's just a fact. It's it's very it's very uncomfortable. It generates a lot of sensations of oh, oh, personal annihilation. Mm. Of course, it does. We spend a lot of effort in life trying to stay alive. You know, an awful lot of effort. Not getting run over, <laughs> not getting electrocuted. You know, not falling off high places. We work really hard to stay alive. So on the one hand, in our biology, we've got this message, do not die. Above all else, do not die. And then we have the reality, you must die. Now, these two do not sit very well together. They're like the same ends of a magnet. You, you know, no, I must live and I must die. What? So what do we choose to do? Well, we put out of mind that we have to die. The problem with this is that it robs us it robs us of a sense of urgency to live well now the truth is we can't do everything because we're not here forever mm. we'd have to be i don't know how many thousands hundreds of millions of years we'd have to be around to do everything we can't we can only do some things so which some things would you need to focus on if you only had Toby another 40 years or 50 years and you do yeah how are you going to live those 50 years in a way that you can honestly say at the end we well, you know what I I did a good job the best I could at prioritizing the right things yeah. it's a question of priorities we've got to prioritize mm -hmm. We, and that's a piece of work. You know, that, that you can't decide in an afternoon. Yes. Yeah, how am I going to, yeah, which one path am I going to choose? Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lovely website I'd encourage your listeners to visit. It's called count.life, yeah. C-O-U-N-T mm -hmm. dot L-I-F-E. Yeah, count.life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't worry about the www. Just count.life, enter. It'll, it'll ask you, when were you born? You type in your date of birth. It'll say, okay, how long do you think you're going to live? Give yourself 100 years. Yeah, be generous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was generous. And then what it does, it, it presents, it gives you, it's like a brick wall. It's a brick wall. And there's one brick for every week of your life. It shows you. It shows you the bricks in one color for the bricks you've lived. 
and then it shows you your remaining bricks. And I predict to your listeners, it's not possible to look at that wall to see the remaining weeks of your life without getting a very strong, having a very strong experience that there aren't that many. Mm-hmm. There's, if we can talk about, oh, I've got another 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, we can talk about that. But those ideas, they're quite difficult for the mind to grasp. Mm-hmm. When you see you have a visual representation of your weeks, you'll see, whoa, that's not so many. No. That's, I, thought, I thought there was a lot more. Yeah. And this is a, a little bit uncomfortable, but it's a good thing because it activates an urgency mm-hmm. to live today. This week is irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. You, you can't get another brick put at the end. It, it doesn't work like that. You, you can't say, Can we just, could we just replay that one? It, it, it didn't, could, could we just do that one again? It, it didn't work so well. Mm. I made a few poor choices. No, mm. these are irreplaceable. When you really take that to heart, mm. that time is irreplaceable, it activates uh, a deep respect and valuing of the minutes of your life. And it helps us to choose more effectively. We procrastinate less Mm. when we really own our time, take responsibility for our irreplaceable minutes, Toby. There's nothing any of us have that's more more precious Mm. than our time. But it's so easy to put it out of our heads and, Mm. oh, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll I'll get around to it. Mm. Uh, The time to to get around to living this one life, it's this moment, the time for you and I to connect, Mm. it's now. Wow, you made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.